Hello, and welcome to Furloughed, Defining Moments Worth Talking About. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and of course, we have Steve Otterstrom with us today. Steve, another week has gone by, and I think we have some election results for all those folks that have been concerned about that. How are you doing now that the week's kind of settling in here? Like always, doing well. Yeah, last week we talked about patience <laughs> and the, yes. the value that that has for us, and and we didn't know the results of the election, and now now those are in. Um, I, I I mean, I guess there are some folks that feel like it's still uh, to be contested, but no matter what. Yeah, we're waiting for official results. Yeah, but most most folks have concluded concluded it's it's pretty official. Yeah, yeah. The, the electoral college has not voted yet. <laughs> that that, that is true, and I think yeah. they do that early December fourteenth, something like that. But that is usually uh, so uneventful that uh, nobody even knew it happened until until this yeah. year, maybe. But it's it's been a good week. Um, things are getting a little cooler here. Um, uh, had a, a couple days of snow and, and just realizing that winter's coming and fairly soon we're going to be moving into the holidays. So uh, for those of you that are excited to be done with 2020, we don't have that much time left in it. And that's exciting for some of us. Um, how about you? Anything new and, and amazing happening in your life? Well, I don't know that I'd say amazing, but certainly in full swing at work. Uh, I know so so much of our podcast, I was on furlough, so I guess that's why I like to talk about work now is being back at it. Uh, but yeah, totally, totally feeling back in the groove uh, now that it's been close to a month back at it. And uh, I'm sure coming podcasts, it will be pretty uneventful to talk about work. But right right now, it's kind of fun to be back in the swing now. Well, isn't it interesting just how different perspectives, different times, because you know, there was a time when it's like work. Uh, we, we call it we call it work and not play for a reason. And uh, when you've been out of work for six months, it has a different flavor, doesn't it? Absolutely does. You you uh, you know, I've I've never been one to run from work, but you certainly appreciate work a lot more once you've not done it for a while. <laughs> so, and so for all of our listeners out there, if there's anyone that's still looking, hey, we feel your pain. <laughs> And we're not trying to rub it in your face right now. We just, yeah. it, it is nice to have, have something to do and to, to know that paycheck is coming. And, and of course, uh, for those of you that uh, don't remember, um, we started this when both Leonard and I were placed on furlough. Uh, three months into it, about that time, uh, I was laid off. Uh, mm-hmm. and Leonard was put on an additional furlough. And after waiting six months, Leonard went back to work, and and I have been working as a freelance independent contractor doing mostly production and facilitation work, which um, has continued to pick up, and I'm, I'm very pleased with where that's going as well. But, you know, I'm really excited to introduce you as we talk about work and we talk about um, employment. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very excited to introduce all of you to a very good friend of mine, someone I've known since I was just a kid. Uh, his name's David Danzig, and I remember as kids talking and dreaming about when we grew up and how we were going to be outrageously successful because, you know, you don't sit there and think <laughs> life might be really, really hard, um, but we <laughs> talked about how we'd be outrageously successful, and then uh, as time went on, I, I actually got to watch this friend of mine who we're going to uh, hear from in just a moment uh, start going after some really outrageous ideas. I, I saw him... St- do different things to try and open different little businesses and 
he had the sales skills of really no other person I've ever met. So he could sell for sure. But uh, each business I thought was maybe just a little more ill-advised than the one before. And then his worst business idea that he ever came up with was he was going to make his own bath bombs. I didn't even know what a bath bomb was. <laughs> to me, a bath bomb was was something that your your younger children do when you first give them baths and the water is too warm. You know, <laughs> there's a bath bomb that comes. But anyways, he was making these bath bombs. And, um, and while I had thought some of his other business ideas were amazing, I wasn't so into this one. Well... Time has proven me incredibly wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, Dave is now um, uh, in the process. He's, he's, he employs my son. So there, I, got, I guess I have to get that out there <laughs> as well and employs many other people. Full disclosure. Yes, that. that yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, you know, Dave, I don't want to take up all the time talking about uh, how I didn't recognize a great business idea when I first saw it. But tell us a little bit about you and where you're at right now and how, how did you get there? Sure. And I think the word that most of my friends, when they saw what we were doing at first, thought was, that's kind of random. So, um, at least from what I've talked to most of them. But it, no, you're right. It was everything leading up to it. Um, in fact, immediately before this, I don't know if you remember uh, Danzig Games, but I was designing board games. Yes, I remember that. Oh yeah, that was that was good fun. I knew that was going to make me a ton of money. No, so um, for me, especially, you know, I've had people uh, recently ask me to, you know, look back and think about things, and uh, I think for me, a, a really important factor here is defining your value and living into your value. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown. Love her. She has some great books out there. Um, and my team and I went uh, about a year ago, we went through her Dare to Lead workshop uh, by ourselves. And she asked you to define that. And I realized that my core value for me personally is to make a difference. And I look at where I've been with different sales careers and when I was engaged versus disengaged. I was making a difference. Um, and so winding the clock back seven years, um, I was not in the job I wanted. I was not doing what I wanted to be doing. In fact, emotionally, my life was a bit of a wreck. Um, didn't like where I was with my relationship. Didn't like where I was with work. Uh, life was just super stressful and that happens to a lot of us. And the one thing that got me through that time was I started taking a lot of baths. That was the one moment in my day where I could just forget about how terrible things had gotten. And uh, I started using bath bombs, which weren't very common back then. Uh, I like rare and unique things. And that was at the time a rare and unique thing I had found. And that was getting very expensive for me because my habit was getting quite in-depth. And so I started playing around with making them. Where I thought I was going to make a ton of money is I was working on developing a natural sunscreen that uh, just was going to be super easy to apply. Um, and I thought that was the direction that we were going to go. But then my friends saw some of my pictures of the bath bombs and they thought it 
sounded like the number one or looked like the number one competitor out there in the space, which gave me some confidence. Right. Um, and then I took that confidence mixed with, um, I took the base from our, uh, solid sunscreen that I had been working on. My son, George had a really bad case of eczema. Um, and it was just a chronic case since he had been born and we used that on him. We'd used a ton of other stuff like steroidal oils, you name it. Nothing had worked. Uh, we used this body butter that we had created out of that base um, and saw huge, huge improvements. And so, like Steve said, I have some sales background. I have some business background. Um, I've gone to school for business marketing um, I thought, you know what, L let me finally put this stuff to work. Let me put everything that I've gone through to work and let's see if people like what we've done. Let's take small steps, test it, challenge it. What's the smallest step we can do? And we went to the Salt Lake Farmers Market and uh, we're just so grateful to, number one, have the opportunity to even present there, right? And then number two, the reception we received was exactly what we needed to know that we could take the next step, which was then looking at a physical storefront. And then the reception there was great enough that I knew that we could look at the next step, which was to duplicate that storefront. Um, so that's a little bit about how, how we got into that. But uh, jumping back to, and not that I want to do all the talking here, I'm happy to have you guys ask questions too, but just to fill it in, one of the reasons why I brought up uh, my core value of, uh, you know, needing to make a difference, that, that really is uh, what CASET is about as well. CASET is an old English word that means to care for and protect in an overindulgent way. And what makes us unique from everybody else is from day one, we created therapeutic baths, each one with a different unique purpose or a therapy bomb, as we call them, out of bath bombs. Um, so every single one has a different purpose. We have some for muscle aches. We have some for anxiety. We have some to just brighten your mood. Uh, and that really is, we're trying to make a difference every single day. Our, our core purpose is to relieve life stress through therapeutic experiences. Well, and, and Dave, you know, I, I guess I might have, should have asked this question earlier, but uh, we might have a few people out there who still aren't quite sure what a bath bomb is. Oh, that's a great question. I'll explain. So, and I should maybe back up and explain what a therapeutic bath is. So the easiest way to explain a therapeutic bath is the one that everybody knows about is if you ever get in poison ivy, it's a good idea to take a bath with oatmeal, right? That helps to soothe the poison ivy. So that's an example of a therapeutic bath. So sometimes the therapeutic bath, you'll add different ingredients like oatmeal or milk or honey or salts. Um, what a bath bomb is, is it's sodium bicarbonate or baking soda and citric acid. So... Probably all of us remember back in the day, uh, mixing vinegar and baking soda together. The old volcano. Exactly. It creates a really amazing reaction. Happiness for us that it actually creates what's called an endothermic reaction, which means it gets really cold instead of really hot because really hot could be really dangerous. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, 
Yes, they create this really cool reaction. So what you can do is you can take uh, sodium bicarb and citric acid, uh, form it into a ball is what we do. Very difficult to do, by the way, because those two are incompatible ingredients. But um, we form it into a ball and then that goes into your water and it fizzes and it dances around the tub. And yeah, it's pretty cool. And it smells amazing. I think that's the other thing that uh, is important to bring up. Um, in fact, you know, when I first sent my son off to work, he'd come home and he'd walk through the house and he'd be like, oh, stand here for just a minute. Get fresh in the air. Because <laughs> <laughs> the essential oils and things that are put in them create just these incredible aromas that on their own can be relaxing. He's he's brought some some home from work and and I've just sometimes held one and, and smelled it. <laughs> and, and it and it has kind of that um, that relaxing aspect. I don't know which kind it was or which one it was, uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think you really hit on what makes these such an incredible experience as well. Yeah, and to your point with the different oils that we use, and that's one of the things that sometimes I forget to bring up and mention simply because they're a huge component of the therapeutic value of the bath bomb. We don't actually make a therapy bomb or bath bomb that doesn't contain an essential oil. So every single one of them has at least one essential oil, if not mostly essential oil. Um, up to eight, up to 40 drops of essential oil actually per bath. And, and, and David, I know this is a, a stupid question, but now is a good time for me to ask, what makes an oil essential? Ah, that's a great question. Because I, well, yeah, because we, we did the whole thing of buying oil and, and, you know, some of you put on your body, some of them are aromathia, you know, to smell. And, uh, but I, I never, I never knew what defined what was essential. So without getting too deep into the specifics of it, typically speaking, the essential oils are the uh, oils that are full of what we would call a volatile organic compound which makes them highly aromatic. Mm, I see. So typically they're the active ingredient in that plant, um, if you will. Um, essential oils are not necessarily skin safe. In fact, many of them should not come in contact with your skin at full force. So mm. that's something that we always look at very carefully. What levels can we actually tolerate in the bath? And sure that your skin is safe. Um, there are standards and measures for this out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't follow them. Cinnamon oil or cinnamon bark is one that should never come in contact with your skin greater than I think it's like 0.01%. Hmm. Wow. So I, I, it's not just a matter of buying these essential oils and smearing them all over yourself and becoming... <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I do know cinnamon is hot. That much I know, Steve. <laughs> yeah. no, they're very. They're the problem with essential oils is it can be very, very dangerous if they're not used wisely. And it's important to catch things before. So sitting in our warehouse right now is actually a whole bunch of containers that I ordered. Beautiful, beautiful packaging. I mean, just absolutely spectacular. The idea was to create these. Um, uh, essential oils that were the most pure, right? They followed the four P's for purity. And um, we were going to set them up to where you could just roll them on and we wanted high concentrations. And as I was looking at the IFRA standards, I'm like, oh, 
we are never going to be able to roll this product out. The, what we were intending to do violates all of this. And so I scrapped the entire project. Um, mm. Wow. Well, and, I, that must have been a, a significant cost. I know that uh, mm. I, I've seen the, the barrels that you use uh, for your essential oils and uh, they got a lot in them. <laughs> and it doesn't <laughs> seem like the, um, the cost is that much different than if I buy them in the little jars that we get and they still cost us a ton of money. So yeah, there's. Yeah. Now I will say we do get a little bit of a discount because every single time you put it in a smaller container, typically have a little bit of waste. And so the bigger the container, the less waste there is. Um, but some of them are wicked expensive. Rose absolute historically has been our most expensive ingredient at a little bit over $2,000 a pound. Wow. Hmm. Well, so, Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I, we, we kind of jumped into the ingredients, all that. I, I'd like to kind of go back a little bit to the beginning, if we could, Dave. So, so, uh, so it really, what I'm hearing you say, or at least heard you say kind of at the start, was this really became out of uh, a product that grew out of your own need, right? Your own family needed it for, for the eczema that your, your son had then, correct? For the body butter, absolutely, and for my own emotional well-being, um, yes. bath bombs. Yes, absolutely. So, so how do you, I mean, I, I get the old farmer's market and setting up and selling that, but how do you kind of go from just taking a plastic mold and throwing this together at home to jump from that to mass production? Cause I'm, I'm sure there has to be something in between or a lot of labor in between to kind of get you there. Cause absolutely. How do you that, that equipment is, is a healthy investment? Yeah. Yeah. How do you scale and how do you scale organically without inorganic funds and without outside investors? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because for those who don't know, CASA has been since day one debt free and has one investor, which is me. Nice. Wow. So that's, uh, we've never had a loan. Um, so, I mean, that's just the way it was from day one. It was, always test and challenge. It was my meager retirement at the time got us started. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the question was though, really, how do you scale something like this? So yeah. I think all too often in business, when people want to create something like this, they think through every last detail they iron the business plan all the way out to the end. They spend all this time, money, and effort getting everything laid out just so. And then they try and nail it. Hmm. So what they've done essentially is they've tried to scale it before they try and nail it. And I see it happen all the time. And it's important that you nail it before you scale it. So the first thing that we did was just make a handful of bath bombs. In fact, uh, we had been accepted to the farmer's market and Ashley was pushing, that's my wife, Ashley. She was pushing me really hard to say, Hey, we, we got to get making product. And I was like, absolutely not. We're going to figure out what we're going to make before we're going to make any product. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Try and understand. I mean, one of the very first things that I did, uh, I took all of the access to essential oils and fragrances that we had at that point, and I did what I called a centapalooza. So I put a drop of <clears throat> oil on 
a hundred different pieces of paper and we labeled them one to a hundred. And then we invited a whole bunch of people to come over and rank them one to five. Hmm. Anything that got ranked to four and a five, I knew what that number corresponded to as far as the fragrance. And just to clarify, was five good then and one was bad? or (laughs) They just picked their top five in order. Exactly. So all of us had to rank it four and five. We actually still use this today, by the way, uh, anytime we're selecting new fragrances. Um, So we just would filter for four and five in the spreadsheet that I created. And anyone that it had to be both a four or five, uh, then from there, we started narrowing down what we were going to carry. Uh, Kalahari Melon, side note, was one of those first fragrances. <laughs> wow. <laughs> one of our most popular fragrances. Uses It still does use um, sweet orange essential oil. Hmm. But, you know, it's, it's just going back to, you know, your roots and you getting started and the whole nail it before you scale it, you know. Um, and, I, and I love that. I love the way that that, that plays out as well. I feel like that might also even have something to help us overcome the anxiety of moving into um, a new business venture. Sometimes we try and we try and do something bigger than than what we have right in front of us. And then it's like I think of my my kids sometimes when they would have anxiety about Mm. things when, when they grow up. Well, how will I be able to do this and be able to do that? And I would say, well, when you get to that age, it won't be so hard anymore. <laughs> and and I, I feel like sometimes we, we, we put together that business plan or that five-year plan and we look at the, the, the last item there and we say, wow, that's too much for me. I couldn't do that. But, and that's the thing. When you are faced with the thought of how am I, because as an example, Right now, Casa is found in over 400 grocery stores across 11 states. If you asked me six years ago, hey, Dave, how are you going to make make bath bombs, but you make enough bath bombs to actually distribute them to 11 states, one of which is Alaska, and how are you actually going to get it all the way up to Alaska? I don't know. It would have been overwhelming. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. In fact, I remember so clearly when I was manufacturing bombs uh, or product at trolley square, cause that's what we did. We opened a store. I was able to move everything out of my house and then I was able to actually manufacture in store, which I thought was so cool for the customer to be able to see. Right. Um, but <clears throat> thinking about shipping to a grocery store or another store at that point was just such a foreign idea. And, and it, this is a, relatively fragile product too right i mean you know those balls are it's not like you drop them on the floor and they survive i'm assuming oh Uh, no they are very fragile exactly and like we have extremely high standards for quality right like my team creates one that has a funky looking seam it's not a sellable unit so the full price so they split in half not for full price they split more than in half it's a demo product degrade is what we call it so Mm. we don't even get any money back on that so no i mean to your point um i mean thinking about how to do that how to distribute that thinking about how to actually get into a grocery store and here's the thing when you have a good idea and things are working um i was uh in a meeting where damon john was talking and 
someone was asking him, they're like, well, hey, don't you just kind of feel like you just got lucky, like right time, right place on a lot of this stuff? And uh, as I was hearing him talk and talk a little bit about uh, just his persistence, it really came to me that persistence creates the luck. Mm -hmm. Right? If you're persistent, it will create the luck that you're looking for. If you keep doing that thing, it will come to you. Um, And then the problems that present themselves, solve them one at a time. Don't try and plan it all out in your business plan. Have an idea. See if the idea resonates with someone. When you hit a problem, solve that one problem. Sometimes it feels like you hit like 5,000 problems at once. Mm-hmm. Um, when that happens, work your list. Build a list of your problems. Float the, the highest priority ones up to the top. And then work your list. And, and Dave, to, to remind me, you said you've been doing this seven years now. Is that right? From Just about. So a red letter date. To quote Back to the Future, right? uh, red letter date in the history of Cosset would be March 31st, 2014. I was and- working as a recruiter for a local company, Navitrust. And uh, I realized it was not where I needed to be. I'm- uh, go ahead. Well, I'm I'm curious because um, you you you've got some good nuggets you're dropping here. So I'm I'm curious, had you had somebody to kind of help mentor you along the way, or was this truly just a, a matter of hard knocks and your prior business sense kind of helping carry you through this? Uh, that's a really great question. So all of us have amazing mentors surrounding us all the time, people who want to see us successful. Um, there are people that you can reach out to that have been where you want to go that are happy to help you as well. And so when I decided to start in full force after I quit my job on the 31st of March, because it just was not where I needed to be, I came home, laid out an action plan of how I thought I could test and challenge my idea the easiest. And then I started looking for a mentor and found out that Salt Lake Community College had a branch through the Small Business Development Center, Mm -hmm. SBDC, called Boom Startup um, out at the Larry Miller campus. And I called them up and said, hey, uh, I'd like to find out about getting a mentor. It is so important to have someone you can bounce your ideas off of. Mm-hmm. You might have really great ideas, but one of the things I did walking in there is I said, hey, uh, I don't have a full-fledged business plan. I have an idea. This is what I think is going to work. This is how I think it's going to play out. And they said, I'm glad you don't have a full-fledged business plan. Go test your idea. Mm-hmm. And so being able to have a mentor to where then – you can come back and just kind of report and say, hey, well, where are we at? You know, what's going on? Well, this is what's working well. This is what I think I need to improve upon. That sounds like a good plan. Um, didn't always stay with the SBDC. They were a great first choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there are people around you as well that you can do that too. Um, one of my favorite books is Creativity Inc. And they talk about the brain trust there. Great book, by the way. Um, you should have your own local brain trust, right? Your group of friends or family or whatever it is. They're your brain trust where you can say, this is what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? And, and I suppose really one of the benefits, obviously there's, I'm sure there's numerous, but one of the benefits too is that that mentor or the, that brain trust that you have, they are not necessarily quite as emotionally invested as what you are. So they have a little bit of a differing perspective when it comes to great ideas then. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and I think that is an, an important thing that you need to make sure that you have someone who can be objective. If someone's in the boat with you and someone helped build the boat with you, right? I think that's more important than someone in the boat. If someone helped build the boat, both of you think that the boat is the shiniest, prettiest boat that you ever made. It doesn't matter that it's taking on yeah. water. Yeah, Titanic was awesome. It, it was. <laughs> so you need to make sure you have someone who can actually be, uh, well, hey, if I was going to ride in this boat, I didn't help build it. Uh, these are my thoughts. I, I, I love when someone is willing to freely speak their mind. I would much rather have someone say, mm -hmm. I don't like that product and this is why then, oh, everything that you've made is so wonderful and so great. Baloney. I've made some real bombs, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> that was a dad joke. Well played, though. <laughs> Appreciated by two other dads. Fair enough. Absolutely. We'll have to use that one. So, but no, for sure, having people around you that can give you constructive feedback is really important. Well, you know, this is, this is, I think a lot of good uh, advice really for anyone that's getting ready to start out um, and, and try and do something that maybe they've thought about for a long time. And that's really kind of one of the things we talk about with these defining moments that, you know, there are moments in our life where sometimes we decide to take that first step and we move into the unknown and then it works. And it, and it appears that that's what, what it's done for you. Was there a point where you ever felt like I've done it, I've made it, or do you feel like you're still in that same, are you still in your first step? Oh, that's a really great question. When you get, there are some milestones that feel really, really amazing, but then something bad will happen and you realize it could be gone tomorrow. Now, personally for myself, I appreciate keeping the attitude of let me always put my best foot forward. Let me always continue working on it to make sure that we're honoring when I, when I view like someone buying our product, they're buying our product because what we're doing resonates with them. We want to make a difference. They feel like our products are making a difference for their life. It's not about give me your money. That's a cofactor of this. It's about us actually doing something that hopefully has an impact in their life. And so I 
think it's important to realize that we're all a community and someone's taking their hard-earned money and sharing it with us. So what are we in turn as Cosset going to do with their hard-earned dollars? How are we going to reinvest it in new products and going to different locations in hiring people and paying, paying good humans a good wage? making sure that we're actually making a difference in other people's lives as well. Did there ever come a point when you were doing this, or maybe, maybe even something you might feel now, but um, I I've never really had that experience where I felt like I mean, I have my own family that depends on me, but you actually have a very extended family now <laughs> because you have so many individuals who the way they feed their family is, is through, your organization does that absolutely that was one of the one of the most surprising things to me actually was uh and i forget what thread it was there's always a thread around the corner right i forget what thread it was but there was a threat that had come up and i just turned into papa bear in a way that i had not been papa bear before right historically speaking threat comes up for something that I own, like no big deal. Like we can replace things. We can't replace people. Right. But this was the first time where I'm like, no, there's so many people that rely on what we're doing right now. I'm going to go to war over this. And that was just a really, that was a really different emotion to go through, to realize I was going to go to war for my team, not myself, but for our team. Because mm-hmm. I don't tend to go to war for myself for things like this. But yeah, I was willing to, this was the hill I was going to die on, if that makes sense. Well, did you feel that maybe a little bit when um, COVID and specifically the economic downturn, the lockdowns, um, started to happen. I mean, I imagine there was some uncertainty at that point, you know, cause we didn't know what was going to happen. Maybe you didn't know even if you would be considered essential or if you would, you know, um, were there, were there some of those anxieties maybe as, as earlier this year? Um, yeah, you had asked if there were some anxieties with uncertainty for Cossett's business. Absolutely. In fact, I found myself feeling the exact same feelings I felt when I very first started. When I very first started and quit my job, I had enough money that I could do one of two choices. I could either go live in Hawaii by myself for a year, which has always been a dream of mine. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Or I could start Cosset. In fact, I remember so keenly when I ordered the raw ingredients I needed to do the first farmer's market, my hand was hovering over the purchase button. I'm like, Dave, this is it, man. You spend this money, Hawaii is off the table. Well, it's it's a little more than why because then you're going to have a truckload of stuff that smells really, really good that you got to figure well, out what to do with. And at that point, we aren't necessarily talking a truckload. We're talking maybe like a well, small yeah. car. But 
Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're so correct. So flash forward, right? That was 2014, six years. Um, we had actually come back from Hawaii. Uh, we were in Hawaii when we realized that there was a problem. My son, George, had an earache and actually couldn't find pain medicine in Hawaii. And so coming back, we're like, everybody's gone insane. What's going on? And then we got into it with some different things with our store and closing down and shutting. And yeah, I found myself in the exact same circumstance mentally where I'm like, okay, if we liquidate and walk away, we can take a couple of years off, maybe. And at this point too, just for our audience sake, um, this is not just one store. You're shipping product to a hundred, your site says now, right? Well, so in March, we would have had well over 200 grocery stores that we were feeding and five brick and mortar store, stores that we owned ourselves. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it was scary. Uh, it was unprecedented. Um, I knew what the fear was telling me to do. And I knew what, in my opinion, for my team, for my Cossett family, what the right thing was to do. And, you know, I think what's interesting about this, and of course, I, I know how this ended up, you know, but you didn't have, I mean, yes, you did have to close your brick and mortar stores, at least for a time. Mm -hmm. But your business actually grew during this time period. Yeah. And I, so after everything had come down and all of our brick and mortar stores had been closed, I was in our, uh, our weekly meeting with our management team. And I said, look guys, I know this is scary. I could walk away right now. I don't need to be here, but I'm here and we're going to keep moving forward because it's the right thing to do. Um, and I know it's scary, right? And so, no, you're right. We, it did increase. One of the things that was really excellent for us, we had been setting up some new Fred Meyer stores. And I mean, that just started doing really well. And then people started going to grocery even more. And I mean, honestly, it sounds crazy to say we're in our, best year we've had mm -hmm. and well, and we'll end up closing two of our brick and mortar stores we already closed our las vegas store and our our boise town square mall store that's going to close at the end of the year um, and then we'll just be left with the three utah brick and mortar stores and about 400 grocery stores hmm. well i think the interesting thing about this you know because i know i know that you know your your brick and mortar stores at least the one that that i've been to here in town is right by a restaurant. And I, I think it always fed off of people waiting to be seated. They'd walk in and smell those amazing products and then they would buy them. But I think what's interesting about this, and, and this is my own little theory about why maybe you've been more successful in this time is that, you know, what the product originally did for you is it allowed you to find relaxation and something that was relatively simple and that you you had always available to you. And that was those therapeutic baths. And, and I think this has been a hard time for a lot of people. And I really do believe that uh, your product has maybe grown because it's needed maybe now 
more than it's ever been needed. You know, there's a lot of people that go through their grocery store, they're buying their things, they see those and they, and they say, you know what, I need to take some of my stress off. <laughs> Even if it's for 20 minutes that I'm in the bath. Absolutely. You know, I need to take that stress off. I need to, I need to somehow reset <laughs> so that I'm ready to start. And I think that, you know, it goes back to what you talked about at the very beginning, you know, making a difference. And I think your product is making a difference in a real difficult time right now. Well, thanks. I, I hope it would. The one thing that I challenge my entire team to do, and I would challenge anybody who's listening, when you get stressed, I think the best thing you can do is have rituals. Rituals that you can count on every single day. Rituals that honestly are a little bit intricate. And whether that for me, it means making a really nice cup of coffee. That's one of the things I do every single day. Um, I'm sure I have better coffee than I can buy locally, except for maybe one place in town. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, have your ritual, have your thing that can relieve that stress. I would love that to be cosset for everyone out there. Um, we won't resonate with everyone, but I think there's a lot of people that we can resonate with. And, uh, you know, we are in the grocery store, so it makes it really easy to find us that way. Or online. That too. That too. Well, you know, this has really been, um, I, I really enjoyed talking with you. And, and it's not the first time I've, I've heard your story, but I feel like I, I learned a lot of different things I haven't heard before. And so I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. Just a few things that for me, I'm going to try and take away and maybe incorporate is just going back to the beginning, you know, make a difference. And I think that's a value that really any of us could try and, and take and provide, you know, we don't, it doesn't notice it's not make a huge difference, make the biggest difference, but make a difference, a very small difference. <laughs> it, it could, and it doesn't have to be for any specific person or a specific type of individual. But I think if we, if we try and make a little bit of a difference, it's easier sometimes for us to find value in what we're doing. I love the nail it before you scale it. Mm -hmm. uh, so often I have the tendency to just want to jump into doing things bigger and better. Um, but it's true. If I stop and just say, you know what, let me just try and do this really well. The scaling appears to come more naturally and more organically. And um, you also talked about when problems come, you know, take them one at a time. <laughs> you know, it's a whole, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you're not supposed to eat elephants. They're endangered. So uh, maybe <laughs> maybe pick something else. But no matter what it is you're eating, uh, do it one bite at a time. Um, I loved what you said about mentors and finding a mentor. We don't need to run through life alone. We don't need to try and uh, make big differences in our lives alone. And finally, I think the thing that I'm really going to try to apply is really take an inventory of my rituals and, and see, do I have rituals that um, I can turn to that will allow me to recenter, um, uh, reset, and be ready to take, you know, tackle the things that, that life throws at me. Leonard, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Oh, I, I think you've captured the big highlights, Steve. Um, there, there is, David, there is one question that I do want to ask as well. You, you had made mention about being debt-free. And I'm assuming that was deliberate on your part. Uh, could you just briefly touch on kind of how you've, I mean, obviously starting out was 
selling your retirement. Uh, but how, how have you kind of been able to maintain that and grow your business throughout, if you don't mind hitting on that for a moment before we wrap Absolutely. up? Absolutely. So <clears throat> this is where smart growth and organic growth, I think, actually comes into play. Um, and it's critical. There's, there's a company I'm aware of in the United States that went for aggressive growth. And they're now in chapter 11 bankruptcy because they borrowed their way to get there. Mm. I know of some local friends who were featured on a TV show and had inorganic funds and bought a much more expensive factory than they needed to have. And it's put them in a really tight financial situation. I think it's important to look at what's the least expensive way for you to get from point A to point B. It's good to have Z in mind. And I begin with Z in mind. My wife has often asked me at this stage, did you ever envision Cossett being in 11 states uh, with over 400 locations? To which my response is, I envisioned us over 10,000 locations nationwide. But I knew that we had to start at point A and then go to point B and then go to point C. And that's one of the things that really is critical. You need to make sure that you start with something that is sustainable. Start with good profit margins. Make sure that you're tracking everything. You have to know what's working, what's not working. When something's not working, you need to eliminate it. You should not continue putting good money into a bad project because mm -hmm. money is not the solution. We started on a shoestring. It will grow and build and you will know when the right time is to take the next step. Yeah. And you know, that's so different from what I've heard from so many people in business is it, that it all starts with a loan. You know, with so many as it starts with a loan, you at the bank. And if you get that loan, now you have the opportunity to move forward. And then, you know, of course, leverage is not a bad thing. Most even larger organizations use leverage. Um, I feel like the way you've done it, there's almost a maturity that now at this point, if you need to leverage, you'll know how to handle it you'll know what you actually could truly pay back and what you wouldn't necessarily be able to. Well, and I trust my gut better than anything else. Now that said, my gut lines up with my numbers. If my gut didn't line up with my numbers, I wouldn't be able to trust my gut, right? That's good. Okay. But I trust my gut first and foremost because it has lined up with my numbers. You can't follow your gut if you have someone over your shoulder that you're beholden to because they loaned you all of the money and they're telling you how you should run your business. Mm. That's good. Well, Dave, that's, you've, you've brought a lot of rich content here and what you said. And, and I, I do have two things I'd like to number one, share mm. uh, this one first. I had, just actually watched a video earlier today about somebody that was talking about success. And I, whether you've consciously done that or not by you talking about making a difference and just hearing, um, you, you almost pace yourself as you speak about your, your business, but there's, there's such a passion there. What this gentleman said about success. And I think it's a good, 
good thing for all of us to remember is success isn't an end result, but success is a journey ultimately is what he was saying. Because just like you mentioned, you know, being in all 50 states and 10,000 locations, if that was the only goal you had, once you reach that goal, what would be next? There'd be some form of emptiness. Mm -hmm. But what I hear in your voice is a passion of truly making a difference in your team members, in your product and what you do. And so I think regardless of scale, it sounds to me like you've found happiness along the way, which is really, really awesome. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other thing I just kind of want to point out to our listening audience, you know, we're talking business right here, but just some of these nuggets here are just so great for your personal lives as well. You know, we all need somebody uh, that, that can mentor and invest in us and has that outside perspective, can provide us guidance without the emotion that we might have, <laughs> that we sometimes get involved in following emotion rather than that, that gut matching the numbers, as you've said, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some real good things. So I, I, I so much appreciate you being a part of our program today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And, and sharing with you. Uh, we'll certainly... Uh, I know your website, and I'll, I'll put this in the show notes, is cossetbathandbody.com. Yes. So we'll you can it. also, though, go to therapybomb.com and it redirects over. It's Everybody knows how to spell therapy bomb. It's easy to remember, <laughs> easy to say. Everybody gets confused with cosset. They think maybe it's Cosette, you know, French, you know, from Les Mis. It's an old English word. It means to care for and protect in an overindulgent way cost it so um but yeah so therapybomb.com is a great resource for that yeah and i I love love the name and there's so many ways you can spin that as well so of course with your product itself but it really sounds like you've you've kind of done that with your business and those that you care for around you as well dave so congratulations on, on a job there Well, with that, folks, uh, we will wrap up another episode of our program. So I'd love to hear your feedback. And if you've got questions for Dave, feel free to fire them off. Steve's got the inside track on where to reach him (laughs) and get those answered. (laughs) So you can uh, email those to furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And if you want to share any other thoughts or insights, we, of course, would welcome that as well. And as always, we want to thank our sponsor, Upwards Unlimited, Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, Unlimited, a training and development company that specializes in helping you and your teams improve your conversations, connections, collaborations, and communities. And with that, folks, we'll say goodbye and see you next week. Take care, everyone. Yeah.